welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Tay Swetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmagulu. And Joe, mm-hmm. today is a celebration! Indeed, yeah, folks, we've been teasing it for a little while, but this is, I think, unofficially because we have had some bonus episodes here and there that don't count. But uh, you know what? We're calling it. This is our <laughs> 150th episode. <laughs> I think that's amazing. We make a lot of episodes, Joe. <laughs> we do make a lot of episodes, yeah. Other podcasts, like, they quote-unquote take breaks or, like, have vacations. But, Joe, you and I, we stick it out all the way through Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Every week of this pandemic, through uh, a lot of ups and downs personally and interpersonally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been fun. I can't believe we've hit 150. When you told me we were even approaching this milestone, I was like, wait, what? What? How? Yeah, it's felt like such a weird number because most of the books, aka the seasons that we record, end up getting divided into a kind of roundish 50 number because Mm -hmm. for me, after about 50, I'm like, oh, well, people are going to have a hard time scrolling. They're going to miss stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's break it up. But Mm -hmm. the breakup is often arbitrary. Like I'm just kind of saying, okay, well, next week is going to be a new book book. (laughs) or a new bingo card or something. And then we just switch. So yeah, there hasn't really been a lot of interruptions per se. No, we've we've kept on trekking. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. I mean, I don't know. Hannah McGregor, friend of the show, Hannah McGregor, once made reference to me to the idea that her favorite podcasts are what she calls friendship podcasts, which is where she just uh, okay. listens to two people who like each other, who are friends, who have a history, and are working through some some third thing like the show Mm -hmm. itself is not about the friendship but the friendship is the dynamic that underpins the show right and i am so glad you had the idea to start doing this show because it's allowed us to reconnect Mm -hmm. i get to talk to you every week which is awesome sometimes you are the only person other than my family (laughs) who i talk to in a week this is true (laughs) yeah and uh yeah i think that aspect of it for me has been it's really special like it's really neat to be back in your life on a regular basis absolutely yeah and i mean i think even just beyond the friendship this has been like a way for me to organize part of my life like i have two podcasts it means that i have specific recording dates and specific types of conversations i can look forward to and for me knowing that i'm going to be reading this ya book or watching that movie in anticipation of a great conversation with you has been a really great way to keep me grounded during Mm -hmm. some particularly unsettling times. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. So one of the nice things about prepping for this week's episode is we've heard from some of you listeners Mm -hmm. about how the show's been kind of somewhat grounding for you too. And that is super rewarding. Indeed. Yeah. So we did hear from, I think it's about six or eight people so we're gonna read excerpts from the emails that we got from folks and then we're gonna wrap up the celebration with a series of outtakes from the last three years and (laughs) i'm not gonna lie they were a lot of fun to put together and also very humbling (laughs) i'm so excited i haven't heard those yet 
<laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yay. Okay. So uh, we're going to start with an email from T Books and Chocolate, who I kind of feel has maybe been around since the beginning. Like a couple mm-hmm. of these emails, it was like, oh, yeah, we have had interactions with these folks for years now. And mm-hmm. it touched me to hear from these folks and get a sense of what the podcast means to them, but also just to know that we're like a part of other people's lives and they look yes. forward to us being in their lives. Mm-hmm. So Tea Books and Chocolate says that they found us from Witch Please, and this was actually a recurring thing. So uh, it's good that you gave Hannah a shout out early on, (laughs) because I do think we've gotten quite a few listeners as a result of her. Shout out to Marcel as well. Thank you both. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, Tea Books and Chocolate, one of the things that I like about their email is that they talk about how they have learned to be more critical in their interpretations and the way that they read YA as a result in part of the podcast. So they do say that they were always very into English, that they had a freshman advisor who was a bitter English professor, (laughs) told them not to major in it because it would never get them a job. So they went into psychology (laughs) instead. But part of the thing that they have come around to on the podcast is that it's taught them how to teach and how to be personable in the way that they talk about things like art and mm. the the kind of social issues that are relevant in it. So I just really like the idea that people who maybe didn't have a great educational experience in the arts have found a way to come back to it and appreciate it in some new lights. Yeah, I loved the reference to the bitter English professor because... (laughs) That's you. Isn't that you? I was going to say, I think we've all met (laughs) slash been that person. Um, Don't major in English, kids. Um, (laughs) I don't even actually mean that. It's a great undergrad degree. I'm not sure we need any more English PhDs. Anywho, doesn't matter. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Hot takes. But it was really nice to hear that, yeah, this idea that the show is both kind of a friendly, comforting chat, but also um, helps to make tea books and chocolate in particular a little bit more critically aware of issues that emerge in texts. I found that Mm -hmm. a pretty rewarding perspective on what we do, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah, I know that we often given shout outs to teachers and librarians and people who are working specifically with teens and middle graders. I guess I just don't always believe that that's who is listening or that they might be (laughs) applying the things that we're talking about to help them in their own lives. I always just think of it as, oh, this is a fun podcast that people listen to. Yeah. So speaking of people who are working with that demograph, we got an email from Caitlin and they identify as a librarian, brother. Our favorite kind of person. Yeah, so they actually review YA books for School Library Journal, which, um, hello. Mm -hmm. That job sounds great. Mm -hmm. It really does. (laughs) So one of the things that they have actually done is they've been recommending the podcast to other English language arts teachers and public librarians, but they have said that part of what they enjoy about the podcast is that it has made them more aware of things of like YA tropes and also expanded some of their knowledge about some of the problematic aspects mm. of YA lit, which I like. Um, yeah. You know, I think we've credited Debbie Reese for helping to open up our eyes to mm-hmm. a lot of Indigenous issues in YA. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea, not that anyone is ever censoring books, but just that we're all a little bit more aware of the mechanics and maybe how to have a conversation about them. I think there might be a mini-sode in our future, Joe, 
sort of tying together some threads we've begun to pull in episodes like Ender's Game and the idea of mm-hmm. liking, even loving problematic things and how we yes. do that and why we still choose to do that. Why sometimes we walk away, like you and I have both decided to do with the Harry Potter books, and why Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't. I think that would be a really fruitful discussion to have, because I think a lot of people wrestle with that a lot of the time. Absolutely, yeah. One thing that made me laugh in Caitlin's email was their confessed first episode of the show, which Joe Mm -hmm. was Discovery of Witches. Hey, several people brought up Discovery of Witches, Brenda. I know! It's fascinating to me because it is not YA, but it is a favorite episode of a lot of our listeners. Well, if I recall correctly, that was an early episode where we got into it, right? Like, you not only took me to task for picking a non-YA book, which... uh, I eventually did. ...returned the favor. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one where we just really talked through some of the issues about particularly women who fall in love with supernatural creatures who want to kill them. And Mm -hmm. you like you really took it to the mat. And then I would almost say if folks haven't think of a complimentary episode in Twilight where that conversation really comes full circle Mm -hmm. and kind of solidifies some of the issues of why we don't always love this. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a trope that I struggle with. And I I think that particularly when the protagonist is a grown ass woman, I get real, (laughs) real upset. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. (laughs) So keeping in this vein of folks who are working directly with some of the content in the pod we got an email from a first time write-in from Jana who is in Germany and they talk a little bit about how they're completing their teacher training so Mm -hmm. they're almost ready to step into adult reading they say which I'm just (laughs) like oh no Jana don't do that stay with us forever (laughs) stay with us forever absolutely (laughs) (laughs) They say one of the reasons that they like the pod is because we talk about why YA is attractive to readers who are outside of that age range. So it actually doesn't sound like Yana's prepared to make that step because you don't need to, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that I have absolutely adored doing the podcast with you, Brenna, because there were times where I would have approached a book and been very jaded because I was looking at it through adult eyes. And you have really helped me to just always keep that in check and be mindful that we are reading through adult eyes and we should be thinking about it critically that way, but also that a text isn't necessarily meant for us and is going Mm. to resonate with different readers because of their different life experiences and age ranges. Gosh, it's one of the hardest things to do when you read a text, though, is to remember that not everything is for you. We've talked mm-hmm. on the show a lot about how it's <laughs> probably good for most of us to spend more time thinking about how we exist in the world in general. Yeah. Whether it's as an adult reader realizing a text is not for you because it's made for teens, or as a white reader realizing that a text isn't primarily written for you because it's been written with a particular community in mind. Yeah. It's really healthy to do. And it's also really, really hard because our lizard brain is just like, ma, I didn't like it. (laughs) I'm an adult. I'm cranky. I've got a job and bills to pay. (laughs) Mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) One other thing that Yana does reference that I absolutely love, because I feel like it's something we sometimes forget. Um, Mm -hmm. Hey, Brenda, did you know that we're Canadian? (laughs) 
So Yana does not make fun of us. In fact, they actually <laughs> praise us because we lean into the Canadianness of it all and how it's actually not about the US, which I appreciate can sometimes feel overwhelming. But uh, they encourage us to keep the Canadian politics talk coming. So yay, Canada. That was something we heard about a fair amount on Twitter during the US election was that yeah. we a weren't just talking about Trump and co all the time, but also mm -hmm. that we uh, try to keep our perspective our own. And that also we try to be aware of international reads when it's possible. So mm -hmm. yeah, we have critiques of this country, but I like the Canadianness oh, gosh, yeah. of it all, Joe, as well, just mm -hmm. as an alternate perspective on media. Because, you know, if you troll through the iTunes, English language podcasts about books are few and far between when they're not centered on the American experience. So I'm mm -hmm. glad Yana noticed that. Thanks, Yana. Yeah, yeah. And we got an email from friend of the show, Andrew. Always, yes. <laughs> and Andrew, who has written since the beginning, I think, with great Absolutely. recommendations. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say, Joe, so he gives the recommendation of Blackout, which is a book that I super want to read. But okay. also, it's an advanced reading copy that I requested and got rejected from. So <gasps> oh. I know. I'm in my brief period of resentment, which I will get over and then eventually get it out of the library. But anyway, um, <laughs> in and amongst the recommendations, Andrew says, I feel like something you both are so wonderful at doing is engaging with the listeners in a way that feels so much more important than other podcasts. You don't just ask for listeners' opinions, you welcome them to help challenge your own perspectives. And the fact that I've been dubbed a friend of the show, hi, friend of the show, absolutely mm -hmm. put the biggest smile on my face. I similarly <laughs> love being able to look another way at text because of your analysis. And Andrew gives the example of Moxie. I really love this, Joe, because... As much as I would love to be the queen of a podcast empire, which mm -hmm. obviously is goals. Right. One of the nicest things about hosting a show with a small and dedicated listenership is that we really do love listener feedback and we really do have the space to take it on board and work with mm -hmm. it and allow it to help shape not just our perspective of individual texts, but often the direction of the show as a whole. So yeah, I was, I was pleased that Andrew feels that way, and I hope all listeners feel that way when they're sending us feedback, whether it's by email or on Twitter. We really are interested. Part of the joy of this show is finding out about other ways of reading texts, uh, and that's mm -hmm. where you guys come in. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the idea of broadening the scope of the show so that it's, yes, fixated in Canada, but we are considering international books. And one of the things that I've loved is when we do end up covering one of those international texts, we will often hear from readers mm. in that country or folks who have differences of opinions or more culturally specific reads. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, do I love that. I'm sorry that we don't always respond to them on air but just know that we are always reading the emails and they always bring a smile to our face absolutely yes it's ah it's the best part of the show yeah 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 <laughs> so joe we got an email from victoria and victoria had actually written in about please ignore vera deets but it didn't make <laughs> it in time for the recording schedule victoria i'm so sorry i'm so I sorry know. And sometimes we can sneak in an extra recording session, but this one didn't make it in time, unfortunately. But one of the things when Victoria wrote back, because Joe very nicely sent an email saying, ah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> when Victoria wrote back, one of the things they noted was about 
sort of reinterpreting or reevaluating texts that you loved as a young person in adulthood. Yes. And they oh, write, yeah. although you definitely made me seriously reevaluate my thoughts on two books that I found near and dear to my heart when I was younger, A Wrinkle in Time and The Outsiders, I think that you made me realize how important it is to constantly apply critical thinking to every piece of media we consume, whether it may break a heart or two when we realize that it just does not hold up in the same way it did in our youth, and that's all right. This is something that we've encountered a lot on the show. Oh boy, we have ruined a couple of people's childhood favorites, haven't we? I think we've ruined some of our own in the process. Yes. And you know, <laughs> as a show that does trade heavily in nostalgia, we're always confronting that, oh, I'm going to say it, Joe, that liminal space between uh. the text as you remember it and the text mm -hmm. as it actually exists. And yeah. It's a hard thing to revisit. And it's why lots of people don't, right? Like, I'm sure we've mm -hmm. all had the experience where we're like, I really miss that book, but I'm not picking it up again because I need it to stay yep. good in my yep. head. <laughs> Absolutely can't risk devaluing <laughs> it in any way. It needs to live on as a cherished artifact. But it is a really valuable way of thinking about how we engage with media. And also, honestly, it's about charting our own growth as people, right? Mm. Like the kinds of things that we let slide or worse still didn't even notice when we were younger readers. And now mm -hmm. we have a more critical eye, maybe a more socially just perspective on the world, maybe a more inclusive grasp of what we want books to do. Like mm -hmm. those are all good things. If it wrecks a book or two along the way, <laughs> that book was never meant to be your favorite in the first place, and you will find a new favorite in time. Or even just acknowledging yeah. that it's not necessarily a failure of a text. No. It's, I think, as you said, it's a measure of growth within ourselves, but also there's something about being able to process and work through texts at a variety of different times and... I think those conversations are really fascinating, but also very worth having. And it also doesn't always happen in that direction, right? Something I've been thinking no. about a lot, because I've been reading a bunch of stuff on Twitter about Catcher in the Rye lately. Mm, okay. I loathed Catcher in the Rye when I had to yes. read it in grade 10. Mm -hmm. And when I revisited it in my comprehensive exams during my PhD because I was doing American literature, I revisited Catcher in the Rye, and I still hated it. There you go. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> I was reading a lot of commentary that was talking about how, like, Catcher in the Rye, like Holden Caulfield, he's really hard to read, and he's really um, a difficult personality, and a lot of people don't like him. And also, mm -hmm. he's a kid struggling through trauma and dealing yeah. with mental illness that nobody is really helping him cope with. And right. I was thinking to myself, hmm... Now that I'm a more empathetic adult and hopefully have the empathy of a decent parent, I wonder if I should revisit that book because I was very impatient with Holden Caulfield as a young person in my teens and 20s. And yeah. I wonder if I would still be so impatient with him now. So, you hmm. know, that reinvention of self and that learning and growth can take books in all kinds of directions. It doesn't just have to be about ruining people's childhoods, although right. that is important. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're in the business of, ruining people's childhoods. <laughs> Yay! I do like this idea, though, and maybe again, a future mini-so topic, is this mm. idea of unlikable characters. Mm -hmm. Because Trace and I encountered that on Horror Queers fairly frequently, where... 
sometimes the people that you're being asked to work through or identify with or just follow for the length of a book or a film you don't particularly like them and it's a mm-hmm. question of do you have to in order to enjoy the text mm-hmm. yeah and I think that is a readerly thing as well, right? Some readers really don't want to spend 300 pages with someone they don't like. And yeah. that's fair. fair. But what do we open ourselves up to if we try, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I'll try reading, rereading Catcher in the Rye, maybe. Oh, well, keep us abreast. You're so phony, Joe. <laughs> I don't like Catcher in the Rye either, so it's fine. <laughs> So speaking of people who have been listening to the show for a while, Joe, mm-hmm. we got an email from Miriam, who has been listening maybe since the beginning, I think also found out about the show from Hannah McGregor, I think via Secret Feminist Agenda, which is another one of Hannah's podcast projects. Mm-hmm. And Miriam talks about the fact that she's actually made friends through listening to the show, which yeah, delightful. I'm going to read what she says about that. Okay. Ooh, almost forgot to mention the best thing about the pod. I made two friends because of you. I knew Brennan's voice because I listened to Attack of the Queer Wolf all the time. But I think our first interaction was reacting to an HKHS pod tweet, and that's how we got talking and never stopped. Okay, we stopped sometimes because I'm a very unreliable friend, but that's not the point here. I also (laughs) met Finna through you, and we have become great friends. That made my day, partly because, as I said off the top, like this show has really been about friendship for me and it's nice to know that people are making connections particularly in this time I think when I don't know about you Joe but the podcasts I listen to have become really important touch points Mm -hmm. in my week as I navigate this very strange and timeless kind of time so knowing that other people are connecting through the medium is pretty special yeah absolutely and I mean, I think we both follow Miriam as well Mm -hmm. as Fina and Brennan. So it's fun to see when they're interacting and tweeting at each other publicly online. Mm -hmm. Because part of me is like, I love watching that friendship blossom. It has absolutely nothing to do with us anymore. It's all about them. But I love the idea that, you know, part of the reason that they became friends is because of a shared thing. And we're the shared thing. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable to take credit for things. (laughs) I don't think we can take credit for it. I think we were the the instigating thing. And then, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to (laughs) stop. So you know how much you love John Green? (sighs) I mean, yes. (laughs) I was just reading this essay by him. And one of the things he's talking about in this essay is how relationships for introverts in particular blossom Mm. less because two people are staring into each other's eyes and more because two people are staring together at a third thing and we can be someone's third thing. I like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And our final uh, email in is from another listener who I think has been with us from nearly the beginning. This is Max, who has also written in a number of recommendations that we have both appreciated over the Mm -hmm. years, Brenna. Mm -hmm. And Max, like a couple of other listeners, actually found us through my other podcast, Horror Queers. So every once in a while, I'll name drop us on the other pod. And then, of course, you guested on the pod when we talked about Paranorman. I sure did. Super fun. Very fun. So... I like the fact that there is a little bit of cross-pollination between my two podcast projects. You know, my <laughs> faux husband and faux wife <laughs> between the two. <laughs> and uh, I guess one of the things, you know, Max is very complimentary. His is a little bit more of a personal email about what mm. the podcast means to him. But 
there was a through line with a couple of these and i think some of the encounters we've had with other listeners over the years where they have commented that hkhs is a comfort podcast for them so it's Mm -hmm. something that they look forward to it helped them through the pandemic it makes them feel i don't want to say like warm and cuddly but they feel like they can put on episodes when they need a little bit of reassurance or a little bit of comfort Max writes, HKH Pod is definitely a comfort podcast for me. I listen to old episodes both as background noise and as pick me ups. And in fact, I've listened to y'all so much, there are specific places I can't go to without thinking about an episode, which is lovely. I know. That's the kind of thing that makes me really happy that we do prioritize continuing to make this show through mm-hmm. thick and thin, Joe, because I definitely have those podcasts, the ones that I you know, put on when I need to fall asleep, Mm -hmm. that I put on when I just really want to feel like I'm hanging out with friends without having to go and, you know, Mm -hmm. see humans, which we know I'm opposed to. (laughs) True. Yes, very true. And it's really, uh, it's just a joy to know that we fill that need for other folks as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even things like people telling us why they like a particular episode or mm. a memory that they have of when they first listen to this thing. And Brenna, the number of times that people comment on your voice and when you laugh, how it makes <laughs> them laugh. I just Aww. think that yeah. is so sweet and endearing. But Don't I think it's, a, it's also a testament to the medium, right? Like, yes, I didn't love podcasts before I really started doing them. And I don't think I appreciated how powerful it can be to have somebody's voice in your ear every Mm -hmm. week, every month, through thick and thin. It always seemed weird to me that you could relate to somebody that you don't know in person, that you only ever hear, that you don't... Like, Mm -hmm. I'm imagining a lot of people don't even know what we look like. Mm -hmm. And yet, we have become something that people want to hear at different moments of their life. And I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. You know, not to talk shop, Joe, (laughs) but we do similar day jobs. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about a lot with my faculty, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we had this huge rush towards video. Everybody's got to videotape themselves at a Mm -hmm. bad angle with no mic. (laughs) It's like apparently (laughs) what we all need to do. Unflattering overhead lights, yes. And one of the things I talk to my faculty about a lot, particularly those who I know teach really difficult or complicated um, material, by which I mean sort of emotionally or theoretically dense material. Uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. I always ask those faculty to consider the art of the podcast instead Mm. of the video lecture. There's something really deeply intimate about podcasting if you think about where you listen to podcasts it's Mm. like when you're going for a walk by yourself when you're doing your dishes and folding your laundry Mm -hmm. they find us in our most domestic spaces and in our most intimate spaces Uh. and as a result i think that when i think about podcasting for like a teaching and learning perspective i think that that's a really great way to have difficult conversations with students I always encourage English faculty to think about using podcasts, for example, because you can talk about really troubling content and the student isn't sitting in their living room watching a lecture conspicuously on their laptop where a parent might wander by and want to know what's up. They can take it for a walk. They can they can take it out of the house. They can. It's much more portable medium. So Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot when we hear from listeners who feel deeply connected to us through the show, because Yeah, I do. I think that's the power of the medium that is so 
willing to find you where you need to be found and which requires mm-hmm. so little of you technologically from a listener's perspective. Right. Yeah. 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 We're in your phone and you're probably taking your phone wherever you go. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do love the idea of like people taking us on the go with them yeah, as well, too. right? Like they're out and about living their lives, but they also take us as tiny voices in their ears Mm -hmm. as they go (laughs) yeah i think about it all the time when i'm like walking through michael's looking for craft supplies and listening to a podcast i'm like this person doesn't know they're running errands with me but they are right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) ah folks we love going to michael's with you totally any day (laughs) well a big thank you to everyone who wrote in and also to anyone who thought about writing in and just couldn't make it happen for whatever reason tis the season for not getting stuff done (laughs) absolutely and honestly just be kind to yourself about it yeah that's fine yes so brenna we have Mm -hmm. read the delightful the warm-hearted the comforting emails from listeners now it's the part where you make fun of me isn't it (laughs) well actually before we do that i do want (laughs) to give a quick shout out of thanks to a couple of people who have made the podcast what it is on the road to success Mm. And that would be the guests that we've had over the last yes. three years, Brenna. So I'm just going to quickly name drop all of the guests that we have had. Nice. Absolutely delightful people. Many of them have their own projects, and I would encourage you to seek them out if you've enjoyed their voice or their perspective. So thank you to the following people. Alex Heaney, Brennan Klein, Cece Stapleton, Emily Von Seal, who was our very first guest, Hannah McGregor, Heather Sear, Jen Adams, Our good friend Jen Crocker from back in the old uh, university days. Jenny Nolf, Jessica Scott, Lindsay Travs, Lucia Lorenzi, Michael Rothman, Paul Lee, and Terry Menard. Mm. We love a guest episode. It was funny because when we first started doing guest episodes, I found the dynamic really like, oh no, but Mm -hmm. Joe and I know what we're doing and now there's a third voice here and I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) It can throw the dynamic off a little bit. Yeah. But part of it is that the conversations often get richer. So much richer. You know, one of the things we come back to time and time again on the show is that everyone reads a text from their own perspective. There are Mm -hmm. no two identical readers. And I don't know, I guess the same is true of film. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) And so for that reason, having guests on the show is always a joy. It gives us more perspectives and it offers new readings. And that's always valuable. Absolutely. So one final piece, and then we will get to some of the outtakes over the years. So Brenna, I would like you to guess Uh for me, what do you think are the top 10 episodes of the show? Oh, okay. You don't have to guess all 10. Take a stab at a couple. Okay. Um, I'm guessing the Harry Potter episodes are pretty high up there. We have one. It comes in at number two. That is the first Harry Potter episode with Hannah McGregor. I was going to say, it's mostly Hannah McGregor's reach, I suspect, that is mm-hmm. helping with that. Um, I don't want it to be true, but I bet, is the kissing booth up there? <laughs> uh, so hilariously, the kissing booth was hanging in there for forever, and then it got uh, knocked aside. Oh, phew. Good, uh, good. But there are a couple of other episodes that you do not care for that have cracked the top 10. Mm, Twilight? 
Actually, not Twilight. I think just because it's still a relatively, relatively new I should be episode. thinking earlier in the series, shouldn't I? I should be thinking earlier. Yes. You know what? So many people mentioned Discovery of Witches. Is that up there? It is. That comes in at number five. Number five. It's not indicative of any content we could do on the show, but it's our fifth most popular episode. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hmm. Let me give you the rundown. Okay. So yeah, coming in do. at number 10 is our very first episode, The Perks of Being Aww. Wallflower. Oh. Number nine is The Mortal Instruments. Really? The Rage episode. Okay. Uh, the Rage episodes do make quite a few appearances, so. Yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> Number eight is Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda oh. slash Love Simon. Oh, I just made air hearts with my hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Less air hearts coming your way for number seven, which is Divergent. <laughs> number six is the first installment of The Hunger Games, which had guest mm-hmm. star Alex Heaney on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alex was great. The book was terrible. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Always, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then number five, Discovery of Witches. Number okay. four, The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, that surprises me. Mm-hmm. Even more surprising, number three is Looking for Alaska. Oh, the John Green fans found us, and they yeah. stuck around for two episodes, which is I kind of surprising. Yes, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, as mentioned, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. And then number one, by a lot, and I've referenced this before, but I think you've forgotten. Yeah. Julian the Phantoms is our oh! highest rated episode. <laughs> Well-deserved, Julian the Phantoms. Well-deserved. Yeah, and quick shout-out to Max, because, of course, the only reason we covered that is because of a listener recommendation. Joe. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. What's that? Uh, we've done the whole Hunger Games cycle. No, we we've haven't. We've abandoned the Harry Potter cycle. Brenna, we haven't, we haven't done all the Hunger Games. Oh, sure we have. <laughs> you want us to not do Mockingjay. There can't Day. be more. There can't be more. <laughs> There's one more book and two more movies, lady. Oh, hell spells. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, maybe we should revisit the Divergent series. Uh, we do have Insurgent on the agenda for the fall. Oh, cool. I don't actually look at the schedule, listeners, until about two weeks before the episodes are going to be. That's so true. And actually, that is a fantastic segue into some of the excerpts. Oh, get it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, one of the things that I love the most about doing the show with Brenna is that she can be a little absent-minded when it comes to (laughs) keeping track of certain things. So, I got two that are going to be name and shame. (laughs) Okay. So sometimes, Brenna, you forget about doing the handles when we close out the show. Yeah, I always just want to end the show. I'm always like, <laughs> there's a reason we don't have many like reviews and things. And it's because we never remember to ask. And I'm right. also very much the person who doesn't remember that we have social media contact information that people might want. <laughs> mm-hmm. So take a listen. Okay, so until next time, Joe, I guess I will see you on the page. No, you have to do all of the handles and stuff. All right, so you've got some stuff to read, you've got some stuff to watch. I hope you're planning some quiet time yourselves this summer, and I hope you're looking after yourselves. And Mm -hmm. until next time, I will see you on the... No. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) All right, Joe. So, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Folks know what they need to be doing. Until next time, I will see you on the page. No! Okay. (laughs) I have so many versions of this for our (laughs) outtakes episode. (laughs) I guess that's it for Scott Pilgrim. It feels weird to have moved 
personally from being in a place of loving this property so profoundly to then being someone who thinks critically about it for money to, <laughs> to now talking about it on a podcast. But it was fun. Thanks for this, Joe. So until next time. Wang, was... Hey, hey, wait. We got to... What? You got to tell me where people can find you on the oh, internet. Sh- we got to right, tell people to. We got to tell people to rate. I forgot. <laughs> all right. Cut out. Cut out all this. Cut it all out. No, it's gold. I'm keeping it all in. <laughs> all right. Do you want me to do that? Or what? Wow. Language. <laughs> you know what? If you like Brenna's profanity and the fact that like Sexma Bomb, she's a sellout and she talks about Scott Pilgrim for money. <laughs> then we want you to rate and review and subscribe and all of that fun jazz. And if you want to find me, uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter using the hashtag HK HKH. You've broken me. We're starting again. All right. I'm going to take a run at it. Okay. You do it. Now, Brenna, you always love to play YA bingo, but you're never really prepared to play the game. (laughs) I like it in theory. Okay, but here's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I have to have so many tabs open for the show, Joe. It's like the Wikipedia for the book and the Wikipedia for the movie. (laughs) Must I also open a bingo card window? Only if you want to play. (laughs) Brenna, do you want to play some YA bingo? Yes, I do. Hang on, I have to get it out, though. (laughs) Why don't I ever have it ready? Only you can tell me that. <laughs> There's two things. Only you can prevent forest fires, and only you can tell me why you don't have the YA bingo card open. <laughs> Shall we play some YA bingo? <laughs> yeah. Let me pull up the card. Oh, good lord. Lady, you have got one task each week. Come on. I know, and I don't do it. No. <laughs> I feel like that's clear at this point. <laughs> You know, Joe, the definition of madness is... <laughs> Expecting your podcast host to pull up a bingo card. <laughs> okay, I got it now. So one of the things that people may or may not know about podcasting is that it can be a bit of a hazardous game. So you're constantly contending with cats and mm-hmm. also technology fails and mm-hmm. other fun things like that. Just as a quick reminder, we're not considering having a small child a hazard, so you will not hear (laughs) any appearances by Baby Groot in this next montage of outtakes. (laughs) We usually just leave him in, and by we, I mean you. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. You know why? Because I think having a child's giggle as a background music is amusing. (laughs) Hannah McGregor once told me that baby sounds are a central component of feminist podcasting, so let's go with that. Hey, hey. Okay, I'll take it. Sorry, let me choke for a second. Yeah, for sure. It's really important. And it kind of comes back to what we talked about with A Week Away, is that you can feel its age with High School Musical when you see how uncomfortable the Disney... Okay, I don't have a voice anymore. (laughs) Over the duration of the book, every... Sorry, hit the wind filter. Yeah, I think you're right. And the premise... Hang on, the cat is being loud. Just a second. Mm -hmm. Just go then. Chew on a teaspoon like a normal cat. Okay. Um (laughs) got long-armed monstrosity out of here. (laughs) God. He's so... He's so weird. (laughs) It's the kids and they're... Oh.
<laughs> Sorry, I just had nice coffee delivered. Okay, Ooh, try that lovely. again. I know, right? Never say no. Okay. And I don't disagree with the statement. Sorry, so many sirens. <laughs> when Trace tweeted that this week, I laughed out loud. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, let me do that one more time. Okay, and also take a slight step back from the mic because I am getting the peas and the no! beans. No, okay. I hate you. <laughs> so, despite all of that, we still didn't get a damn line. <laughs> no, we didn't. We started off on a good. The bees were really giving it to us for a hot minute, but this is true. That's also the title of your sex tape. <laughs> I, I, every time I say that, I cut it out, so don't worry. <laughs> I'll put that in the I'll put it in the outtakes. <laughs> every time you've never said that before. I have. I've said it to you before. <laughs> so I would love to say that we have all of our ducks in a row when we're ready to record, but the reality <laughs> is. We often get a little brain foggy sometimes, so. We sometimes forget people's names, and we sometimes, sometimes. forget titles of things. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this next round of outtakes is all about how we can't seem to remember what we're actually talking about. <laughs> so, like, her two best friends are Adam and, oh my goodness, what's the girl's name? Jane Fonda. That's, oh my god, how did I forget that? Okay, yes. <laughs> all right, so I guess that's that, Joe. What are we talking about next week? I have no idea. Me neither. I was hoping you did, though. <laughs> it's, um, shoot. It's, I've got it. It's ready to go from the library. But I'm also looking forward to our next full-length episode, Brenna, because it's time to put a capper on this trilogy, baby. Oh, crap. Okay, yeah, no, I couldn't remember, and then I did. I, okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. So it's called the... Oh, remind me. I've got it. So this is the case of Windy Lake. But I would love to hear about where Book Club is going next. Good question. I'm just opening the thing because I can't remember. Hang on. Speaking of which, mm. if folks are reading along with the Book Club, they're getting a good dose of space and place and also journey and quest in um, <laughs> Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Oh, no, we've already covered that by this point. Oh, what's the next Book Club? It's Are You There... God, it's me, Margaret. Okay, then never mind. That doesn't make sense at all. Okay. <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> and I wonder if in something like, why can't I remember the name of that roadless playlist noise movie? That Ultimate one. Ultimate playlist <laughs> noise. And of course, titles are not the only things that we sometimes forget. Uh, sometimes we just can't remember if we're talking about the movie or the film. Sometimes we make very obvious errors. And uh, yeah, so this next round of outtakes is all about when we just totally F up. <laughs> but when Margaret is 12, her family moves to, oh my god, Joe, it is New Jersey. <laughs> I just checked my notes. Okay. And mm -hmm. there's a recent film that played with a lot of these similar ideas of being trapped in time called uh, Palm Springs with, uh, shoot, one second. <laughs> Things that you should look up in advance. Lord knows I can't help you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a part in the film that I really thought, I'll tell you the one that I thought was a lost opportunity. Okay. So when she confesses to him that what she really wants to do is go to UNC, mm -hmm. 
And he says, well, it's only for, or no, sorry, NYU, whatever. No, I'm thinking of the book scene. Wait, maybe it didn't happen in the movie. Oh, okay. hell. I'm, I'm trying to follow you on this journey. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. There's a moment. Okay, rewind all of this, jokes. This is not good. It's okay. Outtake fodder. Got it. And then, of course, there's the outtakes that everyone expects, which is when you're talking uh, entirely audio, you tend to also make flubby things with your mouth where you can't speak properly <laughs> and you have to no, take false never. starts. Never. Consummate never. professionals over here. Absolutely. Yeah. Shockingly enough, over the years, we have delivered quite a few flubs. So, uh, yeah, this final round of outtakes is dedicated to all the times we just can't speak well. It is, I think, intended to be much more of a jukebox. Meh. Everything that she's experienced is in Meh. So Miriam does clarify that she also read this with nostalgic... Uh, about the gender flip. And I strongly disagree with your point that there's like this amount... Yeah. I mean, I don't think it really comes into fruition as much as I maybe expected, apart from the fact that Walter is presenting. And it was really interesting seeing the film be like, or seeing, sorry. It was really interesting, the series. <laughs> Victoria does make an interesting observation that, you know, this is not a narrow, uh, but... I did find it fascinating how that ends up getting juxtaposed. And of course, because she's a manic trixie. Bleh. Oh yeah, I don't think we told anybody, by the way. The third invasion isn't like an invasion. We invade them. We go to the fomates, formites and destroy them. Formix. We go to the formix and destroy them. So yeah. And today's text, The Case of Windy Lake, takes pay... Oh my god. The town's unofficial mascot. And... That one definitely gives off the same kind of vibe where there's a placeness, eh, where there's a place, a place, oh my god. It's hard to say. It is. <laughs> that film is still incredibly powerful and it's got that raw dynamis. Nope. Why do I always try to use that word? <laughs> okay. So folks, welcome to our second installment of the club. <laughs> I have to say, if I didn't know better, I would have thought that you, um, mm? I'm already off to a great hit here. <clears throat> and she's played by Alicia Pascua Pena. Oh my god. Why am I so terrible today, Brenna? I don't know. Hush you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try that again. One more time. Okay, there's a lot of good... That's a good mix of topic. Oh my god. <sighs> You'd think it's 8.15 for me. <clears throat> <laughs> Yes, we are. Yeah, in just a few weeks, we're actually going to be celebrating our 150th and... Oh, I keep doing it. Let me try that again. <clears throat> and then her other really famous book from Anna is about a blind girl from Germany who moves to Canada just on the eve of Hitler coming to power in the US. And er, right. Oh my God, let me try that again. So this is an Own Voices, and it is about Carmen Aguera, just wants to make nope oh my goodness okay <clears throat> so this is an own voices and it is about carmen aguirler nope aguirla mm-hmm yeah so folks and remember reminder, listeners <laughs> we're stepping on each other we're... i immediately flagged that as oh well this isn't gonna work very well in the film. <laughs> yeah because it's really cool in the book i think it's an interesting 
Yeah. No, I liked it. Sorry, I'm not saying anything intelligent. It's fine. Well, why don't mm -hmm. we transition over to the book and we can talk about how it didn't work quite as well. Over to the movie? Yes. What okay. did I say? Book. book. <laughs> right, let me try that again. Well, Joe, that was 150 episodes and now I quit. <laughs> well, it was a good run. Thanks for kicking along. You know, we tried. It was fine. But now that I've heard how bad I am at this, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Uh, but not really. Uh, so no. we are going to take a three-week hiatus, and Joe's going to do some film festival stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some return to campus stuff. Uh, we're yes. both going to survive that experience in mm -hmm. the time of COVID, and then we're going to come back and make more shows. Yeah. So when we do return, and it's good you've got some notice on this because there's a few to read, mm -hmm. we're going to do Runaways. Yeah. Yeah. Brian K. Vaughn comic series. Mm -hmm. It's actually been rebooted, by the way, by Rainbow Rowell, but we're not I covering know. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to make that distinction in my notes because I'm like, oh, wait, there's new volumes out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they just finished their run. So maybe we'll save that for a mini so down the road, depending okay. on how people like this. And okay. we'll take a look at the TV series. I'm actually really excited. Runaways is a longtime favorite series of mine. I'm a little nervous to revisit, I have to admit. Hmm. But I think it's going to be good. Okay. Yeah, I'm also intrigued because I knew that about you. And I read the first couple of volumes when the TV show was coming out, and I did not like them. So uh, I'm oh, excited to have the conversation with you and maybe see if I have changed my mind. Woohoo. Okay. Yeah. Um, or I'll yell at you, you know, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So until then, you've got lots of reading ahead of you. Go check out those Runaways issues. There's like, I don't know, 112. <laughs> We're only doing the first three volumes. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you've got three weeks, though. You could read the whole thing. This is true. Uh, <laughs> if hearing everybody's thoughts about the show made you want to share some of your own, Joe, where do they find you if they're looking for you on the Twitters? I can be reached at remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's greater than A, or you can get us both at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. And mm -hmm. if you've got something longer, like the folks who wrote in today, you can find us at HKHSPod at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, mm -hmm. thanks for this. Yeah. 150, Brenna. I know. I know you joke, but I feel like we should keep going. Yeah, I no, I will. Because honestly, what else am I going to do? It's a pandemic joke. <laughs> You think I got a lot of other offers to fill my time? <laughs> uh, no, not unless it's a small child. <laughs> Joe, seriously, I love you. I love the show. I love our listeners. And I'm really, really glad we have done this for 150 episodes. And I hope that you continue to cut and edit 150 more. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I will see you on the page. Now I'll see you on the screen. Bye-bye. One thing that made me laugh in Caitlin's email was her was there. Sorry. It actually doesn't sound like Yana's prepared to make that step because you don't need to, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually... It gives us uh, more shape for the show to grow, more directions to... No. Now, obviously... <clears throat> absolutely, yeah. Uh, shockingly enough, over the years, we have encountered... No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, until next time, 
Nope. <laughs> so close.